0: It's our privilege to have Dr. Janine McConaughey. It's the first time I've gotten to introduce her that way. Uh, she finished her PhD up this summer, so would everyone... She's gonna minister the word to us this evening, um, and I'm looking forward to what our sister has, has to say uh, to us. Normally it's appropriate for the speaker to do everything that's being asked by the song director but you may have noticed I didn't clap. That is because I'm a third generation Nazarene and any rhythm has been bred out of me. (laughs) you laugh but it's the absolute truth (laughs) now I can concentrate very very hard and I can do it but I can't sing at the same time (laughs) so I'm standing there and I thought of all nights for him to be so persistent (laughs) that we should clap correctly and um, and I wasn't even off because I wasn't even trying (laughs) Uh, as I was thinking about tonight and I could, I could hear you thinking about the title for tonight's message, Stones. Stones, a witness. I'm sure you thought, well that ought to be interesting. I wonder if you've had me in class you probably thought, well I wonder where she's going tonight. <laughs> uh, exactly, I'm not sure that stones make much of an impact on our modern daily life but over the centuries stones were quite important. As I reflected on stones being integral to culture I realized that stones are the basis for many idioms and I found a few in a very short search so there may have been more. Stone walls do not a prison make, a rolling stone gathers no moss, kill two birds with one set or cast in stone, it's like getting blood out of a stone, I always heard turnip there, where did that come from? I don't know. Uh, a heart of stone, leave no stone, sink like a stone, a stone's throw, stone dead, turn to stone, and this one's Chinese, constant dripping wears away the stone. So, you can see that people thought a lot about stones. Well, of course then there are tombstones which if you think about it, people just put stones there to begin with and so then they used tombs and eventually that became our word. Well when I uh, was traveling in England a few years back I was fascinated because in the churchyards of course people were buried in the church in the basement of the church and they were buried everywhere but then there were graves that I don't know what happened to the graves exactly but all that all that was left was the stone and they were lining the walls in the churchyard they were just leaned up there and they were old 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 some of them were just crumbling Uh, They were merely lined up against those rocks, rock walls, in solemn testimony of lives that have been lived. Well, here in America, we often have less sacred tributes on our tombstones than other countries. thought I would bring a few to you tonight. From Tombstone, Arizona, here lies Lester Moore, four slugs from a 44, no less no more. (laughs) From Lincoln, Maine, sacred to the memory of Jared Bates, who died August the 6th, 1800. His widow, ages 24, lives at 7 Elm Street, has every qualification for a good wife, and yearns to be comforted. (laughs) And this last one, I just cannot believe this one. Here lies Jane Smith, wife of Thomas Smith, marble cutter. This monument was erected by her husband as a tribute to her memory and a specimen of his work. Monuments of the same style, $350. (laughs) That's taking advantage of every moment in life. So moving on from that, you you see stones, it just became more and more. Uh, Well, stones are important. And so then I did a deeply serious biblical research on stones and found the following uses for stones. Now I have all the references if you want them if it's driving you crazy just email me and I'll send you the list of references but stone, a stone was a writing tablet, was a punishment, a temptation, a pillow, a door, a container, an idol, a chair, a stone was God's house. A stone was a lethal weapon. A stone was a boundary marker. A stone was a, mi- a meeting place. A stone was a foundation. Stones were ruins. Stones were decorations. And a stone was a test of faith. Isn't that interesting? I thought, wow, that is really amazing. I mean, so many things revolved around stones. Obviously, stones have played a more important part in the history of humankind than we, on a daily basis, give them credit. We're not so dependent on stones anymore. Two uses for stones not yet mentioned were the stone as a memorial and a witness, and that is where we're going tonight. If you would like, you can turn with me to Joshua 4, 1 through 9. And I'm reading from the NIV. When the whole nation had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down in the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood and they are there to this day. It's interesting there are three important aspects to this passage. First of all the placing of the memorial occurred after the children of Israel had been obedient in crossing the Jordan. If you're going to memorialize something it has to be something that's already taken place. Their faith had been tested and they had passed the test. Also, everyone was represented in the memorial. There wasn't, there wasn't a tribe that was left out. Everyone was represented so that it became a memorial for the entire Israelite nation. And we never really pass a test alone, do we? You know, we no man is an island. Well, whenever we're going through a test, there's a group of people who are, who are going through that with us and they came across the Jordan together. Also this memorial was for commemorating the event but more importantly it was a teaching method. God knew that curious children would ask about the stones stacked by the Jordan. He also knew because he had created them that children are more likely to learn if they are the initiator of the learning. This teaching tool is also used in the questions asked during the liturgy for Passover. There are questions that are asked uh, and even though everyone in the room except maybe the very youngest know the answers to those questions they still ask the questions every year and so it becomes a teaching tool. But I think that right there is something to be said about allowing children to ask the questions and to answer the questions when they're asked I teach children's ministries and we talk a lot about questions and the fact that sometimes we don't think children's questions are all that important but obviously God thought that their question would be important that that was a way for them to teach their heritage and for the parents to tell their children what God had done. From there we're going to move to the end of the book of Joshua to chapter 24 and in this case we find that the stone is used as a witness. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges and officials of Israel and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with, with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the desert for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you, but I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you as did the Amorites, the Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. It is interesting. God has a message for them, but before He ever gives that message, He He reminds them of everything He has done for them in the past. I think that uh, you know sometimes we we go to churches and we enter midstream of that church's journey, and sometimes we never know the beginnings. Of what that church went through to establish itself and I actually think we could we could build, we could build that couldn't we and we could we could have everyone say that once in a while just to remind us that God has worked in that place and he will work again. Now once um, Joshua said to all the people at this point he delivers a challenge to the children of Israel in verse 14 he begins now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness throw away the gods your forefathers worshiped beyond the river and in Egypt serve the Lord but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, and that is where that verse comes in. After God has said to them, I have done all of these things for you. Joshua says, I know how prone you are to go worship gods. I know that it's easy for you to backslide and and go your own way, but for me, I mean it's, you know, we see that on key rings, plaques, you know, it's kind of a real popular verse in Christian culture, but it's, it's really a challenge, isn't it? Joshua is saying a challenge to the people he's saying we need to stand up look at all that God has done for us and we need to stand up and say we will serve the Lord in verse 16 the people answer they get the feeling and they're ready to answer and they say far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods it was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our fathers out of Egypt from that land of slavery and perform those great signs before our eyes. He protected us in our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations including the Amorites who live in the land. We too will serve the Lord because He is our God. Now I want to tell you that most pastors would be thrilled to hear the people say that. Right? I mean, they said it with emotion. They said it with fervor. They were going to serve the Lord. But Joshua says to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. Well, that's a slap, isn't it? He said, he is a holy God, he is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. Whoa, that was, that was pretty harsh, wasn't it? Guess he knew them pretty well. Joshua wanted the people to understand that this was not an emotional decision. This was not camp meeting. You know, (laughs) this was not camp, you know, that this was a decision that they were going to have to stand by. This was not something that they could just in the fervor of the moment say, oh yes, we're going to serve God and then they could just go their way and do what they wanted. He knew them, he wanted them to understand the gravity of their choices, but the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are a witness against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord and they said yes we are witnesses. Isn't it in, is that an interesting way to say that? If someone else makes a decision and says this is how you're going to live your life you can say well you know that really wasn't my idea anyway right? But he brought them to the point where they said we are a witness against ourselves we will follow the Lord and just in case they don't understand what the decision means he begins to explain it. Now then said Joshua throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord the God of Israel and the people said to Joshua we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. On that day Joshua made a covenant for the people and there at Chechem he drew up for them decrees and laws and Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Well that should have just done it right there. I mean they've made their commitment, the document's been drawn up, the record has been made, but I think that he wanted to take them back to the Jordan where they had stacked those stones and say you know you made a commitment once before And uh, so, he he couldn't take them all back there, so instead, he brings a picture to them. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of God. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words that the Lord said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. A stone becomes the witness. In this text the stone has additional purposes beyond being a memorial. It's a reminder of the words that people said and the covenant they made. Once again it's certain that the children will ask questions and parents will be forced to place their lives under the honest and open evaluation of their children. And finally it connects the present with the past. I dare say that probably 99 percent of you are not native, what would you say? Colorado Springs. I started that wrong and there's no way to get out of it. Um, You are not Colorado Springs natives. Uh, In other words Colorado Springs is not your place of origin. Like the Israelites God brought you here. And most of you have crossed over your own personal Jordans to get here. The commitments you made on the other side of the Jordan may have faded somewhat by now. Maybe you need a a memorial to remind you of how God has provided for you or maybe a witness stone to remind you of your commitments. Some of those memorial stone or memorials and witnesses you left behind you. You had an altar where you made your commitment. Or you had, you had a, a chair you sat in when you heard God speak to you and you said, I will follow you. But you left those behind. And sometimes it's, it fades. As I read the words that God gave Joshua to say, I thought, what would my words be like? You know, what, what if God wanted to remind me of what he had done for me? You know, what would he say? You know, you heard everything that he said to the Israelites. I wonder what he would say to me. I thought about this, and so I wrote God's words. I hope he doesn't mind. Um, I brought you from the land where once you were honored, but then rejected. I placed, I provided a place of ministry where you could continue to serve me. I brought you through car wrecks, loneliness, hurt, disappointment, uncertainty, and endless hours of toil to this place of fulfillment. Those are the words that God would say to me to remind me that yes it was hard, yes you went through a lot, but I was there the whole time. I was there with you and your commitment still, I remember it and you need to remember all that I've done for you. It is interesting that Joshua provided a reminder and made the people declare their commitment three times. You have to go back in there and see that. You know, Peter, he had to have a reminder, and he had to commit. And there's just something about humans. You know, it once often doesn't stick. <laughs> you know, I, um, I, I do most of my work in the online department, and I read a lot of autobiographies that they post online. You know, and they, and they say, God spoke to me here, but I wouldn't listen. God spoke to me here, but I wouldn't listen. And God spoke to me here, and I finally got it and that's why I'm starting my education and some of you would write the same autobiography and you know the really fun thing is that's what NBC is all about. It's all about helping people who maybe said no to God the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, no we're supposed to start at three but to help you to fulfill what God has for you. When I arrived in Colorado Springs I drove to campus and parked out here on the parking lot facing Pikes Peak. It was the biggest stone I could find. (laughs) I knew that I needed a really big memorial and witness stone uh, and I committed my ministry here even though my arrival had not gone as I planned. I chose the biggest stone I could find and I'm reminded of that commitment almost every day once in a while I'll look at the mountain and and I won't remember that and I'll think wait that is thats that's the memorial that's the witness I can't forget that once in a while the fog and clouds like this coming tomorrow (laughs) hide the mountain and I'm tempted to say like my pastor's daughter Zoe when she was just three years old when it's foggy I can't see God and sometimes we feel like that don't we and we have to remember that, you know, no one came and stole Peck's Peak during the night, you know. When the storm passes, it will still be there. And it will still be our testimony and our commitment and our witness stone. Then I think of God's words to be and I'm reminded that my commitment was part of a covenant. You know the commitment you make? It's not just one way. God commits to you too. God has always provided and will continue to provide as we walk this journey of life together. Let's pray. Father, we've opened your word tonight and we've read about people in a different time, in a different place and about their their humanness and we realize that we all have the same condition. And sometimes we forget. Sometimes we totally forget what you have brought us through and our call fades and our present circumstances become bigger than our witness stone. Father, I pray that you would be with each person in this room. Help them to once again make a commitment if their commitment has faded. If their commitment is still strong, remind them again of how you have blessed them, how you have brought them here, how you have stopped the waters so that they could cross the Jordan into the land that you promised. Father, I I hear from my advisees online and every week there are terrible, terrible circumstances that they're living through and those circumstances make it so difficult help them to find a witness stone that they can look at and they can be reminded of of the words that they said to you of the commitments that they made of the promises that you have made to them the promises that will hold them and carry them through the difficult times the difficult classes the difficult time crunches all of the problems that that students face in trying to complete an education. I pray that that you would take this message with them and every time they look at Pikes Peak or see a stone that they will realize that you have brought them a very long way and you will take them further. In Jesus name, Amen.